Hi again, friends. Before we dive into this podcast, I needed to bring Urs back just one more time. And this time, we don't need to go into the details of Into the Wind. You know how to find out how to sign up. We have a few spots left. And I was just so excited when I was out on a walk in nature with Urs. She was riffing with me on the power of a knot and tying knots and untying knots. And as someone who everyone in the world should want to go on a hike, a camping trip, or a sailboat adventure with, Urs knows one or a million things about knots. And this is a lesson. Is that right, Urs? Is this a lesson? Let's call this a lesson. This will be a lesson of this leadership intensive. And I wanted you to give us a little sneak peek. So there's this sort of bad joke in the sailing land that goes, if you don't know knots, just tie lots of them. And (laughs) what happens when you tie lots of knots is that you get one epic ball uh, that is super hard to untie and actually doesn't serve a function. And take this as a metaphor for leadership where we just kind of throw things at the wall and we don't know something. So we just put another knot in it and maybe I'll try this knot and then I'll try this string. And then what do you have at the end, right? This like messy ball of, of yarn. So when you think about learning how to tie that perfect knot and in sailing, there is a knot for everything and it's very specific. So you would never use one knot for something else because there's already a knot for that. The metaphor there is that when your sails are up and you're in your strengths and you're on your course, you are using the one knot that is all you to do that. So less random knot tying and more specific, thoughtful knot that allows you to accelerate fast and strong. Hmm. And not everyone may know how to tie the special knots or any knots, and that's not what it's about. But one thing outside of sailing that I also count on you for is to remind me to meditate and to slow down for a moment a day. And you once shared that very wise post that said that we should all meditate. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, so correct me. We should all meditate for 10 minutes a day unless we're too busy. Then we should meditate for an hour. right that is good yeah so one more little juicy nugget here is slow down to go fast go fast to go slow which couldn't be more relevant at this time of year we're coming up to the end of q1 for most business leaders most businesses and it's the time when leaders get into that rut of i don't have enough time i don't have time for this i can do one hour one time a week. And this is actually calling you out of the office for four days, three nights. And if you're sitting here thinking, I don't have time for this, like the wise guru who tells me to meditate for an hour, perhaps it's time for four days out of the office. Yeah. I would say, do you have time to try to untie a big wad of yarn? Because Mm. that's what I see over and over again uh, when I work with organizations is this attempt to untie a massive ball of knots and if you can get away from that zoom out see clearly take a look at the ship you want to sail then when you come back no more no more massive ball of yarns super clean knots Uh, that'll really take you further faster 
Amazing. And fresh air and nature is the recipe for a clear mind. And bring along Urs and Matt as your chefs to help cook up delicious new ways of being for 2020. This is very exciting. As I said, a few spots are remaining. Sign up details are below. And I'll also include a link to some of Urs's epic adventures, just so you realize (laughs) how legit this outdoors person is. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) All right, over to the podcast. Welcome to Uncorked, the podcast brought to you by Tony Corker. I am in Vancouver with a really rad human who I like to call Paprika. Welcome (laughs) to the show. Thank you. I guess we should tell everyone that your real name is Marika (laughs) and you just happen to have a love of paprika. Is that right? (laughs) Yes. And it's a really great way to get people to remember your name when you've got a bit of a different name. (laughs) A different name and yet a vocation or one of the gifts rather that you've given the world is your relationship with food. And that's actually how I came to meet you. And I love that for the longest time, I was like, I wonder what her real name is. I just thought you were paprika to me. (laughs) That's so great. Oh, gosh. Well, thank you for your time. As I just alluded to, I mean, I have followed you online with huge adoration for a really long time. I think we go back to you hosted a family dinner for us once upon a time. <laughs> and it's cool to see worlds colliding. I love running into you on the, on the street. And I mean, I guess we should tell everyone that you are a personal and private chef. Um, you are an incredible kundalini yoga teacher. Only I get kundalini from Instagram from you. It's beautiful and nutritious. And when those moments meet our eye on Instagram, it's really fun. And yet I care so much about what's beneath them. And that's why I wanted to riff with you on the podcast. So can we go there? Of course. I'd love to. Oh, life beyond what we see on Instagram with Marika in Vancouver. So tell me, let's just go right there. How did you become the private chef that you are today? Okay, so I'm going to try and condense this. (laughs) So basically in 2009, I went on a vacation to Buenos Aires. And when I was there, I went to an underground restaurant, which is basically... Um, people open up their home and invite you in, friends, tourists, whoever, and they host like a dinner party in their home and you leave a suggested donation at the end. And I was just blown away by this experience because I love hosting dinner parties. And I just thought, wow, you could actually do this for a living? Mm-hmm. And I came back to Vancouver after that trip and just started talking to people about this experience. And they said, you know, there are people actually here doing that. And about a year later, I got this beautiful apartment and started doing my own underground restaurant. So that's kind of how I got into cooking. Wow. So you didn't actually go to the school of any nature. You just decided I'm going to be a private chef. Yes. So I just love food and I love really the experience of sharing food with people. I think that's why I didn't go the traditional chef route was because I'm like, well, they're in the kitchen the whole time. Like they're removed from the people they're actually serving. So that doesn't really appeal to me. But when I came across this underground situation, I was like, wow, I could really connect with the people I'm feeding. Amazing. Now, Mm -hmm. underground restaurants in Vancouver 
I mean, are they illegal or not? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, this is like very, uh, you know, uh, how, I don't know what the, what the word would be, but yeah, it's kind of like, because it's all around suggested donation. And I remember seeing like shows on, I think, CBC and Global talking about the underground restaurant scene. And it was sort of like, until somebody complains, you know, they really can't do anything about mm -hmm. it. And what I loved about it is that everyone that came was so grateful to be part of the experience. And yeah. that's like not, now that I'm not doing it anymore, it's the part I missed the most was just how excited people were to be in your home, <laughs> I <Yeah>. guess. <laughs> totally. I, you know, I remember having a dinner party with Matt for the Corker Co. And we asked a question of what does Vancouver need? And everyone said more dinner parties, more community, a sense of like breaking bread together. And I don't think it's, you know, I don't think that's only Vancouver, but I think we crave human interaction and you created a space for that to take place in a really beautiful and, and intimate way. So yeah, that, that Vancouver was lucky when you were a rebel, but I want to know yeah. when else in your life you were a rebel before cooking, because I feel like that wasn't the first time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. You should say that because I feel like, um, I live in this duality of trying to be a people pleaser and a rebel at the same time, which <laughs> they're right. so far apart, <laughs> where I think like I dabbled with it in high school, but it's, it's tough when you're that age and you're a teenager and you're really wanting to be liked by your peers, but maybe what your peers are liking is not really resonating with you and you're mm -hmm. figuring out who you are. So I think I've always been a bit counterculture. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm going to have to think about all the other areas. <laughs> <laughs> I just think once a rebel, always a rebel. Or, you know, rebel seeds are usually planted in different ways. And when we have the courage to be a little bit rebellious in one area of our life, then we're able to see it grow somewhere else. And I think it's, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Look what you created because you had the courage to create. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, no. I mean, I just... I think I'm one of those people, obviously, that always goes like, what feels good to me? Mm. And I kind of follow that. That's cool. sort of the, like my guiding light. <laughs> Amazing. So can I ask about your relationship with food on like a really basic level? <laughs> because yeah. the idea of having a private chef or someone to cook feels like ultimate luxury for me. Because I mean, like, all of us, we need to eat. And yet you are preparing these beautiful feasts. And I don't want to say it seems so seamless or easy because I'm sure it does take a lot of time and you put great effort into it. Yet it's obviously come, you, you know, you've come by it at a place now that, that it, it probably does feel easy for you or easier for you than it would for, to the rest of us. <laughs> how? How do you do it? How do you plan? <laughs> how do you shop? And do you do this for your own life day to day? Is this just normal for you now? You mean, do I cook for myself the way I cook for clients? Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's times where I'll like go through these bouts of inspiration and I'll, you know, I'll get really creative, but I, you know, cooking for other people is much more satisfying than just cooking for yourself. Mm. and sharing with people for sure and gosh like yeah where do I where do I start with that like I guess 
I mean, I'll get inspired by the seasons. I'll get inspired by other people's work, like other chefs, things I've tasted in other restaurants where I'm like, oh, I love what they did with this. I bet I could do it with, and then replacing a vegetable with something else, like similar flavor profiles. So yeah, it's just kind of all around me, I think. How do you grocery shop? How do I grocery shop? <laughs> well, I'm not efficient. I'd like to think I, <laughs> I would be after all this time, but it's really like going to church for me. Like I just, especially if it's like a beautiful grocery store or a farmer's market, like I just get so absorbed with all the products and I just take forever looking at them all and thinking about what I could do with them. So, um, yeah, I mean, if I have to go to a store and I've got the list, then I'll just nail it. But if I'm like on my own time, like, I don't know if you've ever been to Air One in Los Angeles. How do you describe it? It's a, it's a very bougie grocery store and they've got like the best of everything. And it's ridiculously expensive, but just so fun and indulgent and all the stuff they have there. It's, it's pretty exciting for me when I go there. Wow. <laughs> It's church. It's like a museum. And you, I love to hear, you know, I was expecting you to tell me how efficient you are and how you go about being so efficient. And it's wonderful to hear that you still get lost and time passes and maybe it's not all about efficiency and it's a beautiful place to wander and that's okay. Yes. Yes. I mean, there are, you're right. There is times where I have to, like I say, be efficient and especially if I'm going to a foreign place and I'm doing a retreat and I've got to hit up the Costco and we've got like, you know, 40 minutes before it closes. I'm like, okay, you take this aisle, I'll get the, all the vegetable and you know, but yeah. (laughs) Wow. And what do you hope, I mean, hope for your people and for yourself, what is the vision of where Paprika Marika is going with food and in this world? You know, I'm trying to figure that out myself right now. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) That's one of the things, especially with this year where I'm trying to figure out, okay, you know, I've sort of toyed in the past. Do I want to develop a product? Do I want to, you know, develop a bigger company and get people Mm. working for me? So I'm still in the process of, you know, trying to answer those questions and what really resonates with me. And because I'm so interested in other things as well right now, especially at Kundalini Yoga, I'm going, okay, well, what's really calling out to me? Mm. So, yeah. Beautiful. I think it's so wonderful to be in a place of curiosity and exploration and may it be as bougie and, and wonderful as a grocery store as we, you know, decide <laughs> all these, all these different paths that we can go on and maybe it doesn't have to be perfectly linear and perfectly all figured out yet. So Kundalini, you, I mean, we will have in the show notes how to follow you and your Instagram stories around Kundalini daily, just light my heart on fire. Tell me about your relationship with Kundalini. Oh, my relationship with Kundalini. So I came to it about two and a half years ago. I actually just saw a YouTube video of Guru Jagat, who's a teacher out of LA. And I just, it was actually just a lecture of hers. And I just really loved what she had to say. It really resonated with me. And I didn't actually start practicing it till about a year later when I went to her studio in LA. And I was, wow, I just like, took her class and I was like, okay, I get it. I was like super high after the class. Mm. And I think, you know, I'd been looking for something to sort of like have faith in, I think. Mm. And it's brought me faith. It almost sounds like a religion in some ways, but it is that thing I can hold on to when I'm like having a shit day or 
super anxious and stressed out. And in the past, I would just like become undone. I'd like, okay, where's my therapist? Where's a friend? Where's this? Mm -hmm. Like I need, a, you know, some sort of um, life raft. And this is my life raft and in the best way possible because I can just sit down and start breathing and connect. And it's been such an amazing tool for me. So you didn't just find Kundalini, you dove in headfirst, you now <laughs> teach Kundalini and I mean, well said, we all need a life raft and call it the religion or cult, you know, we follow leaders of different varieties because it's better together and we need help. What drove you to go just past being a, dare I say, a student and over to the other side where you're now a teacher? Oh, so good. I would say the effects, like mm. the proof is in the pudding. When I started a daily practice and really devoting myself and the discipline, I'm like, oh, wow, mm. I, I see the changes. This isn't mm. just, you know, something you talk about. Like, I hope I'm going to feel better. Like I really felt it and mm. my family felt it, which is always a great sign when you're, when the ones closest to you are like, okay, I see a change. And yeah. I really want to share that because I think there's just so many people that, yeah, this day and age, like the anxiety and the stress and, you know, all the things we need help. And this is a natural way to get some help. Magic. So, I mean, obviously you nourish people and you nourish yourself with food. And I think food is by medicine. And now more than ever, I hope that we can go to food to nourish ourselves. I think our spirit needs nourishment and Kundalini is a beautiful life raft, as you have said. What other rituals are a part of your life on a, on a daily basis, as simple or not simple, that, that, that help keep you so grounded? Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Definitely. Uh, yeah, that's like the, the first thing I have in the morning, my practice. And then I, I do also do um, more cardiovascular exercise almost daily as well, mm -hmm. outside of the Kundalini. and. Yeah, those are the things that are very like, okay, this is something I do every single day. So, and getting out in nature, of course, is like something that's super healing as well. Don't get to do it yeah. every day, but it's a ritual at least, you know, a couple of times a week. Yeah. What is your cardio or sweaty um, form of choice? Gym, like oh, classes. Yeah. Very, yeah, exactly. Something <laughs> where somebody's yelling at me to do it and I have no choice but to follow their instructions. I love it. We are embarking upon 2020 and you have, you know, retreats and based on the past, you've gone on really fun retreats to really interesting places and done interesting work. And so on the dawn of 2020, what interesting places do you have on the calendar, be it planned or are you hoping to see this year? So this will probably be the third year in a row. I'll be doing a retreat in Tulum and that's lots of fun. I do it with a couple of ladies, um, Deanne from Turf and Geneve, um, who's a teacher who teaches um, the class. And yeah, so that's lots of fun. And probably going to do something in the summer or spring with Katie McKenzie and Next year, Bali. That's, okay. I, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Amazing. What are two, I say two, and it can be one or it can be three, but I'm, I'm always inspired by entrepreneurs that are crafting their own way and that are, you know, artists like yourself in such beautiful ways. I want to know 
what's on the bucket list, the goals, the dreams for yourself in 2020? Oh, <laughs> big no, or small? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's so funny because I was—I basically just before I got on this with you was I have like a checklist I'm going through right now of things that I I need to to get done that I've been procrastinating on. They're bucket mm-hmm. lists, but they're a little, you know, scary. Some of them, some more schooling, perhaps. That's something I'm looking at, and. You know, it's funny when I've been asked about like bucket list, I feel very privileged in the sense that when I want to do something, I pretty much have had the opportunity to go, oh yeah, this is the path. That's what I want to do. Here's how I'm going to get there. And I go. Mm. So yeah, I'm just figuring out what is something that, you know, I really, really want to do. I mean, I think, like I said, I really want to get to Bali next year and host a retreat there with a dear friend of mine who's also a yoga instructor. That's been something I've been looking forward to. And yeah, like more schooling. Yeah, that's about it. Cool. Well, you went there before I could, and that was the relationship we have with procrastination and our dreams. And (laughs) I wanted to know if, if you're stung by the P word and what do you do to overcome it? Because part of being creative and being entrepreneurs with inertia means we also get stuck on certain things. And I'm always curious around, you know, how creative souls get past that. And so for yourself, what, Beyond privilege, what do you do when you find yourself up against the procrastination wall? <laughs> Talk to everybody around me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> enroll everyone in the procrastination game. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Everybody's going to hear me go on and on for the next few weeks about this. So I'm going to ask everyone their opinion and will have been in the same boat. What did you do? Yep. And then hopefully I get still with it after I've gotten everyone's opinions and go, okay, like what actually feels true to me. But yeah, definitely I have to like bounce stuff off people. Beautiful. Oh, well, in the name of bounce, just like our hearts, our final question is what is currently making your heart beat faster? And I want to know what's making your heart beat faster. What's making your heart beat up against a wall or beat up against someone else's heart? What, where are you at today? Oh, I love it. Well, definitely this podcast. When ah! you asked me, I was like, oh, hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love podcasts and this is like a little dream for sure. Amazing. Yeah. So um, this, and then I would say Kundalini yoga in the sense mm. that anybody that comes to me and is interested in it and wants to know more, I just love sharing it. Gorgeous. We will have all the ways to find you in our show notes, including where to find you on the mat. And I just really appreciate your time. And I appreciate everything you're putting out in the world, both through the internet for us to capture and every, every dish you make with your sweet little hands. It's such a treat. So thank you for everything you're doing. We'll be following you this year. And I wish for you less procrastination and more Kundalini. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no.